0: Welcome to Through the Word, a podcast series connected to our current Sunday sermons. Join us as we explore the Book of Romans. Welcome everyone back to our podcast in the Book of Romans. My name is Lee. If you don't know who we are, this is Pastor Josh, Pastor Matt, and uh, we are some of the pastors from Emmanuel, and we're so glad that you're joining us. Uh, Perhaps for the first time, perhaps uh, repeat attenders. we're so thankful that you're joining us here in the Book of Romans, Mm. and here we are, Romans chapter 11, on this beautiful summer day. (laughs) Storming outside, (laughs) not exactly. It's a snow day for the kids. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but we're so blessed with this building, we can be here and Mm -hmm. we can shoot this podcast today. Romans chapter 11 is an interesting chapter, Mm -hmm. Pastor Josh. You preached this just two days ago. Mm -hmm. There's a lot here that you preached on, but there's a lot here that also is good for us to discuss. Yeah. So we thought we would deal with the very first question, um, which comes up where Paul says, um, all Israel will be saved. And Mm -hmm. I know you you talked about that salvation issue on Sunday, but let's just back up into that all Israel thing. Does that literally mean the people of Jewish descent? Mm -hmm. What about mixed blood that every nation is mixed up with lots of people now? So do we have an idea of how to understand that properly?
1: It's a good question. Uh, yeah, so that comes straight out of verse 26 of Romans 11. Uh, starts off verse 25, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written. And it goes on to quote from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So the question is, who is this all Israel mm-hmm. that's going to be saved? And there are varying answers on this. So we should be clear enough to say that what we've put forward is not necessarily the final definitive only word on this sort of question. Mm -hmm. And in fact, um, even around this table, we may have slightly different ideas of exactly what Romans 11 is expressing, certainly within our fellowship of churches. The, the, you know, our statement of faith doesn't require a particular position on all this, but... um, so we, we want to be gracious to one another, tread somewhat lightly, mm. but but still press into, you know, okay, where can we find clarity? Uh, so the question, who is this all Israel that will be saved? There are some who say, uh, maybe it's referring to all of the true Israel, which in their mind would be then like the new Israel, the, the new people of God, yeah. which is the church. Um And uh, uh, many great Christians have have put forward that sort of a thought. Uh, I I find it to be fairly problematic here in that Paul has just clearly in this very context been talking about Israel in the sense of a a sort of an ethnic Israel. Um, In fact... In Romans 9 to 11, I think he talks of Israel 10 times Mm -hmm. in those three chapters, and every one of them seems to be clearly ethnic Israel. This is the only one where people sometimes have a question. And so it would be pretty strange in the context to keep saying, even though other places in Scripture can speak of us Gentiles as though we're included in Israel, it would be pretty strange in this context to be like, Aha, I switched it. Now I mean something different (laughs) than I've been speaking of all along. So it seems to be an ethnic Israel. Then the the next question becomes, um, is all Israel, literally all, every single last living person that is ethnically Israelite that qualifies as this all Israel? And um, there's differing answers on that too. Hmm. Uh, But uh, my position would be, I don't think it necessarily has to mean every single last one. Um, all can refer to a representative whole, where we're talking massive numbers. Uh, you know, uh, it was pointed out to me in, in my own study on Romans that uh, when it says, for example, "all of Israel went out to hear John the Baptist in the wilderness," yeah. uh, or "all of all of Jerusalem," sorry, does it mean every single last person? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we'd say. No, no, no. It's like it's like everybody. There's so many a representative whole, a massive number. And so I would take it to say that that's probably what this means here. That would make the most sense. Did
0: every single person really hear the word of the Lord in the province of Asia? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Same concept. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes all doesn't mean literally every single last one.
2: And when you're saying that, like all of Israel, you are still speaking ethnically, right? You're not Mm -hmm. saying that just like those true good religious jews are being gathered in
1: right that's right yeah I, I would take this to be those that are like the descendants of abraham tied to the promises made to the patriarchs of course we get into more questions that we can raise without trying to answer i think here yeah and that is like how ethnically israeli Pure. Israelite? Yeah. Do you yeah. need to be yeah. to be then in? We don't have that answer. I don't know. Yeah, you know, is one drop of yeah. truly ethnic Jewish blood Some enough? Connection. Do you have to be fifty-one yeah. percent? Do you have? Yeah. And we just like we don't have answers to those things. Yeah. Uh, but it seems clear enough here, at least to me, that Israel is ethnic Israel, yeah. and that all is at the very least a massive representative number, and that would probably make the most sense. Yeah. Isn't it interesting, interesting
0: in verse 26, uh, to echo your point, where mm-hmm. Paul goes back to Isaiah yeah. and says, Do you remember, deliverable deliverer will come from Zion. So again, he's talking about real Israel here. And
1: turn godlessness away from Jacob. Right, like there's, yeah. there's real people.
2: Yeah. That's historical my covenant
1: people. with them, speaking back to the historical covenant yeah, with yeah. the patriarchs when I take away their sins. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. Something that's been helpful to me here, and it kind of comes with a bit of like a hermeneutic of seeing events come and then escalate towards the end. Yeah. Um, but for anybody, I think if you read the end of Zechariah, if you read Zechariah 12 through to 14... You see like the nations of the world coming around Jerusalem and then there's an odd thing where Judah is attacking Jerusalem along with the world. But then when Judah recognizes uh, the one whom they've pierced, as Judah recognizes uh, God's love and uh, faithfulness to his people in Jerusalem, Judah turns uh, to join Jerusalem and that for me has even been helpful uh, where I might see a bit more continuity between Israel and the church. I, I do see that there is something there that at the very end, there is a turning of the hearts of the people of Israel towards Christ, where they mm-hmm. see him who they've pierced. And uh, in, that's been fulfilled already. Mm-hmm. And yet I think that there's still something that we can look forward to where the people of God, Israel, true Israel, uh, turns to God in the in the end
0: hmm.
2: so why don't we uh, why don't we kind of stay on this similar
0: theme um, our third question here which will become number two is let's talk about the branch and the tree analogy which is in the same chapter because mm-hmm. it kind of is the same theme does the church replace Israel? that's a big question in many many people's minds and we've already been talking about that but let's stay on this a little longer yet because I think chapter eleven perhaps helps us because There's this whole analogy from uh, verses 16 to 21. Let's Mm -hmm. just read it. Um, Well, there's two analogies. Read weird. There's dough, first fruits. The whole batch is holy, verse 16. But then it gets into this this this, uh, tree and root thing. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Verse 17. If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. Mm-hmm. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted. But they were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Mm. Wow. That's, that's a mouthful yeah um, so how do we understand this in terms of gentile and
2: jewish believers and national th- israel versus the church i think like josh said on sunday when it comes to application before we answer any of these questions what we need to do is read again from verse 20 this is so that we do not become proud mm. that's right uh, but fear and so the the idea here um if you Think of some of the many views on what happens to Israel when uh, the people of God, Israel, ultimately reject Christ. The first Christians ever were Jewish. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there is continuity there, mm-hmm. but there there are streams that say that uh, that old people of God, Israel, has been completely rejected and replaced with the church. Mm-hmm. And I think there, if if our hearts are towards that, we might want to take that verse 20 and just remember that we're to be humble. We're to uh, not become proud in our own right, but yeah. to remember where we've come from. That's and right. I thought that you did such a good job on Sunday in just saying, these are the people, the the nationality, the, the ethnicity that Christ comes from, mm. uh, the people that God has chosen. And so, Uh, We're not to hate anyone. We're not to feel like superior to anyone, but certainly not to those who God has chosen and has so blessed us through. Right. Um, So anyways, verse 20, uh, I'll hold on to that. No matter what I come out on the other end with as far as a position, uh, I certainly want to be humble. That's Mm. so key,
1: Matt. Yeah, Mm. I'm glad you pointed that out. The goal here, it said again and again, do not boast and do not be arrogant. And mm. I'm writing this so that you won't be conceited. So that yeah. that becomes the key. Do not miss that, no matter what your disposition or your position on this is. And yeah, um, but we've got this image of this tree, yeah. branches being broken off, representing the ethnic Israel being mm-hmm. broken off out of the people of God. And there, so there's their present hardening, and other branches being grafted, grafted in. in that's, you and that's I. us the gentile yeah. believers and being now included into the people of God and we're saying you what is this about and um, and is this you're asking a become a permanent thing a replacement thing and only I think what's key here is that uh, Paul wants to remind us okay now remember remember how you were included mm-hmm. it's God's kindness so be humble and uh, and further uh, remember that as, as you're continuing in his kindness, God is able to graft those branches he broke off back in. Again,
0: mm-hmm. verse 23. And
1: that's right. And so yeah. we see this sort of intentionality there as well, that it's already in, in this illustration of the tree beginning to point forward to this idea of the inclusion, the re-inclusion mm-hmm. of Israel. God's able to do this, and how is he going to do it? Uh, if they do not persist in unbelief. He's going to mm-hmm. do it through faith. Mm-hmm. Same way he's included us, through yeah. faith in Christ. There'll be a regrafting in and inclusion. And, and so now you're going to have this beautiful tree that in other places, the scriptures would talk about, pictured like a sort of a true, fuller Israel that's going to include ethnic Israel, and it's going to include Gentiles together in the people of God
0: uh, yeah. all through faith in Christ. And Revelation would call that every tribe and nation. That's right, wouldn't yeah. it? It's the yeah. same picture in a different language.
2: Yeah. If you read through Galatians, you have all of this language of those of us who are Gentiles being grafted in, uh, not as like secondary citizens, but yeah. uh, Galatians three twenty nine. And if you are Christ, Christ being the promised seed, then you are Abraham's off. Offspring, Heirs according to the promise. Like full heirs, full children of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at uh, chapter 4 and then... Um, of Galatians? Yeah, chapter 4 of Galatians. I'm just looking here. 28. He says, Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of the promise. He just keeps on tying us to the people of God as though there is genuinely one true people of God. And I think that's so central Uh, in the same way that we don't want to see ourselves as sort of like some superior replacement. We also don't want to miss that we are genuinely connected, that we are genuinely one lump, as he uh, refers to previous to the tree, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That we can all be, I think he uses Israel here. We we were talking about this before in a different way in chapter six, verse 16, when he refers to his mercy upon the Israel of God. Uh, I think he's speaking of of one people there, not just ethnic Israel, but true Israel, like in a spiritual sense, the people of God mm. being together, uh, true children of Abraham, true brothers and sisters of Isaac.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, just like you were describing uh, in Galatians, Romans has the same idea come up and it's in Romans 4. That's why I clarified you're talking yeah. Galatians yeah, yeah, 4. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. Romans 4 also says, hey, Abraham is like the father of all who believe in yeah. Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this idea of how, Abraham's my father, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. ethnically, far as I know, I'm not tied to Abraham at all. Yeah. But uh, but he is in that sense. Uh, yeah. It's uh,
0: Yeah, good. So uh, let me ask one little follow-up question. We know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway, just so we're speaking it out loud and we're clarifying that from the text. There's a bit of a romantic idea today that um, if I am truly devoted to my spirituality, God will see that in grace and love and save me. Mm. And so for the Jews specifically, they're so devoted to the Torah and to the synagogue and to the rabbis and the teachings Is that enough? Does God see them like he saw them in the Old Testament before Christ where their faith was effective for salvation in the Old Testament? Is that the same now? First
1: of all, we've got to be able to stop and say that whole romantic idea of just being sincere enough or whatever we would say about it. it just does not fit Hmm. with the full testimony of Scripture. You can't get that anywhere directly from Scripture, and you can Hmm. find countless places directly from Scripture that directly contradict it. Mm -hmm, So it just does not fit. It doesn't make any sense. Um, So further, we've got to then be able to look at that and say that has to hold true for Judaism as well. Um, If we look at our passage proper that we're looking at, Romans 11, Remember as th- this image of the tree it's like hey you're there by God's kindness and through faith and also by the way if they don't persist in unbelief mm-hmm. God will graft them in again too yeah. it's faith it's still going to be faith in Christ not their faith in the torah mm. not their faith in uh except otherwise Always. as we've joked Matt that like the <laughs> true torah is you know the living word and yeah. and but but without getting uh you know uh, too nuanced in yeah. what we mean by that yeah. not their faith in their religion as pure as that could be but it needs to be faith in the person in yeah. christ we think about jesus says i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but through me yeah. or acts 412 says salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to men mankind by mm-hmm. which we must be saved
2: so it's only through faith in christ the bible is abundantly yeah. clear I think sometimes the Pharisees get a bad rap uh, because we see Jesus like saying quite stark things to them, quite mm-hmm. drastic things to them. And so for like, the modern, as we read, we just think, wow, the Pharisees must have been terrible Jews, right? Uh, but Jesus is actually choosing the Pharisees when he could have chosen the Sadducees who don't believe in the resurrection, who yeah. only believe in the first five books of the Bible. Uh, he could have chosen the Essenes, another group that were like radical, that went off and lived in the desert, that were kind of like John the Baptist, uh, but were so radical that uh, they. He chooses the Pharisees because they have this familiarity to the modern, uh, to the regular Jewish person, but then they're held in such high esteem because they're such good Jews. Mm-hmm. And today there are there are Pharisaical Jews who again are such good Jews, mm-hmm. but Jesus in John eight. If John or if Paul calls us, those who believe in Jesus, true sons and daughters of Abraham, Jesus calls the Pharisees in John 8, sons of Satan. Hmm. Yeah. The scriptures refer to those who are trying to bring in Jewish principles into Christianity as those of the synagogue of Satan. Mm-hmm. I, I think that um, in an era where we belittle sin, as though it's not such an issue uh, for secular people, um, if we treated those who are outside of Christ and yet love Torah, uh, if we treated them as though they were with hope in the life to come, uh, we would be belittling sin in a similar sense. Mm. And so I think for all of us, it's just just true of all of us, that we so desperately need Jesus. We so desperately need to see that the Torah is not an end in itself, Mm -hmm. uh, but the end of the Torah is Christ. The point of the Torah is Christ. Mm -hmm. And he fulfills the law and the prophets. And that if somebody is genuinely seeking God through that uh, and hears of Christ, that that they ought to repent of yeah. their good works and trust in Jesus.
0: I think yeah. it's fair to say that in any age, any era, Old Testament or new, we come to the Lord in salvation on His terms. Mm. How He That's has right. said we need to come to Him. And so the Old Testament was a certain way and the people did that then. Now, from Romans, it's very clear, right? Mm. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord yeah. and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead you'll be saved there you go Christ has to be there hey let's move on to our final question today and this is a big one this might take us longer than we want (laughs) a quick answer it might help us us to keep it high level though. but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask it anyway there's a tough (laughs) concept in chapter 11 of a hardening of the heart Mm -hmm. we see it in Romans 9 we see it again in Romans 11 Mm -hmm. verses 7 to 10 let me read that Mm -hmm. for just a moment Um, Well, verse 7, maybe not so much. Verse uh, 25, even better, perhaps. Uh, Yes, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening, in part, until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. So what's with this concept of hardening? We saw this idea way back in Genesis, Mm -hmm. um, when Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Yeah. Uh, In Exodus. Exodus, Exodus. Genesis. not Genesis. Yeah. Exodus. Yeah. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. It said yeah. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. So, what's the deal with God hardening people's hearts?
1: Yeah, the the word here is uh, it's a passive verb. Israel has experienced a hardening. It's saying that uh, yeah, God has done the hardening. He's mm-hmm. the hardener mm-hmm. of their hearts, um, and so we see God's divine sovereignty, His election at, at work here. Um, that, by the way, though, doesn't exclude human responsibility. Even when something happens passively to us because God is the prime actor, it doesn't fully exclude human responsibility or, mm. or our uh, our responsibility and our free will that we're given. And there is a mystery in how those things all fit together. I mean, if uh, I'm thinking about Romans 12 that we'll be in this week. And uh, it says, Uh, Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's a passive verb as well. Be transformed Mm -hmm. by the renewing of your mind. So it's God who does the transforming. But as we say, how do we renew our mind? It's not just by sitting on the couch and saying, okay, God, just like transform my mind. We're active at work in the midst of it. So we do see... God's divine sovereignty and His election and His choices and His activity in the world and us passively having things happen to us, yeah. sometimes fitting together with our responsibility and our free will.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, verse twenty-three has the idea of us persisting in unbelief. That's right. You know, so that is our Israel. Action. They
1: don't persist in unbelief. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that's you see that, but but. That's not to overly soften it, Mm. to say, okay, then uh, we just sort of excuse it away. There Mm. is a difficult mystery here for us sometimes, and and that is, yeah, God is sovereign. And uh, we see that earlier in chapter 9, right, Um, where it's speaking to us about God's sovereign choice.
0: Verse 13 is one of those verses.
1: uh, Yeah, that's right. So then it would say, uh, just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. So what should we say? Is God unjust? that he Mm. would choose one to love and one to hate. Mm. uh, It's it's not at all. For as God says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not therefore depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. And then it speaks of Pharaoh, as you've noted. Mm -hmm. God uh, displays his power in Pharaoh through the hardening of of Pharaoh's heart. So uh, we are dependent on God's mercy. And if somebody is going to say Romans nine continues to talk about this, if somebody's going to say, well, then how can God blame us? Uh, it reminds us, hey, listen, uh, everything belongs to Him, and He's the Potter, and yeah. so uh, we, we can't turn to Him as the lump of clay and say, why did You choose to make me this way? And yeah. which which ties right into this doxology of praise that comes at the end of chapter eleven, mm-hmm. where He says. Yeah. Uh, who has ever given to God that God should repay him? God doesn't owe us anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He doesn't owe us anything. So we have this like mysterious mix of all of this. God's sovereign election and his choosing to bestow mercy upon some. And yet our retained responsibility to believe, to respond to his revelation and faith. And, yeah. and, uh, and then our need to be able to look at it and say, Yeah, God, you get to choose how you're going to relate yeah. to each person you've created.
2: Something that helps me... Uh, in this question is yes to take sort of the approach we have and say, from God's perspective, why is God choosing one over the other? That's up to God. What what are we to be upset with God's wisdom in how to save a people for Himself? The other thing that's been helpful is to uh, to me is to consider my own self and think of what God had to do to reach out to me. And um, one thing, if if you want to Google this, uh, Andrew Fuller's Gospel worthy of acceptation? It's old enough to use that word, so I don't know if you want to. Um, but he, along with others, sort of dis- differentiates between two abilities. One is a natural ability, and one's a moral ability. And each one of us are born with natural abilities to say yes to God's offer of salvation, right? Um, many of us know what it is to live in a house with a Bible, or to live in a city with a church, or live in a nation with. Uh, the internet where we can find out the gospel if we want we have all of these like natural abilities to say yes we have a mouth we have a mind we have all the capacities to say yes but then when it comes to a moral ability all of us are born with no moral ability to Mm. say yes to the gospel Mm. each one of us if left to our own devices if left to our freedom will freely reject the gospel Mm -hmm. we'll freely reject god that's what romans 1 says that all of us because of god's a clear revelation of himself in creation, are responsible. Uh, but because of sin in us, we will always reject him. It's until God chooses somebody and transform their inability morally to say yes to him into an inability. God does this work of regeneration in us where he enables us to say yes to himself. Why God chooses some and not others to regenerate them in that sort of way so that they can say yes only he knows. We're back mm. to that first thing where we say somehow this is the best case for God to show his glory to all of creation. Mm. Um, but when it comes to whether it's fair or not, thinking about how it's actually you know outside of my ability to choose him. And so it would be silly for me to say it's unfair that God chose some and not the others. Mm. We're all in the same boat Mm. unless God rescues us from that sinking ship.
1: An interesting way that I've sometimes thought of this, and that would, uh, I I might put it to someone really struggling with this, Uh, it sort of illustrates what you've been describing. If someone were to come and say, I feel that it's so unfair, I want to be able to be included in the people of God by faith in Jesus, I, you know, I desire. For Jesus to be my Lord and to save me so that I could be included, then you can. Check mark. (laughs) Yes. You will find no one who would desire that that is excluded, which it has to do with that mix of just our our moral ability. And yeah, uh, yeah. Mm. that desire won't be there in somebody. So nobody's going to feel, it was unfair. I was excluded. Mm. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's end off, as Paul does, in the end of chapter 11 here. Mm. After he's wrestled through all these big, mysterious questions, how does he end mm. off? Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable yes. his judgments, <laughs> his paths beyond tracing it. We've already understood that today, yeah. haven't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet he says at the end, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. So we end the same way Paul does, giving God, God glory for all that he does now and into the future uh, for his glory's sake. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time on the podcast. For more episodes, find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Emmanuel Plus on YouTube.